Welcome to the Momentum Podcast. Our hope is to fill you with the light and life that are found in Jesus so you can shine in the world around you. A great next step if you'd like to grow in your faith is connecting to a community. We would love to help you connect at Momentum. For more information, visit MomentumSanDiego.com. Again, that's MomentumSanDiego.com. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey, Momentum family, this is Jeremy. I am here with Matt, and I'm here with Hannah. What's up? And we've got something brand new for you guys. So we're doing something a little bit different. If you're looking for the sermon from last Sunday, you should listen to the podcast right before this. But what we're going to do through this whole series of God's movement in my life is we're going to take a break each week, and we're just going to spend a little bit of time diving deeper. If you were watching a movie, this would be like the bonus features, where we take what we talked about on Sunday, and we just dive a little bit deeper. We explore it a little bit more. We ask the kind of questions that you guys wanted to ask on Sunday, but there just wasn't time to. And so I'm actually going to turn it over to Hannah. Hannah, take it away. Kind of let us know what kind of questions would people have about what we talked about this past Sunday. Sure. Okay. So before we get started, I just want to talk about this new series and how excited I am. God's movement, my life. I think that this series is a game changer because everyone I know, no matter what stage of life they're in, no matter what age they are, asking what does God want me to do? What's God doing in my life? What's the next step? So I think that this series is a really crucial one. And I loved how Matt gave the challenge at the end of the Sunday and said, hey, make this like a plan for the next four to five weeks that you will be here every Sunday to go through this series with us. So I'm really excited to see uh, what God's going to start revealing to people. So with that, the first question is, okay, so we're looking at these Bible characters, right? Like David, Paul, Jesus, Joseph, these guys all knew that, you know, they had a calling in their life. They knew that something was going to happen in their life. God was moving in their life. And I think even ministry people, you know, us sitting in this room, other people who are involved at our church, you know, involved in ministry, they know that God has a calling on their life. What does this look like for the average everyday person? Hmm. So I think that's a great starting point because the thing that there is not time to say but I wish I could have said when we were doing this series is one of the number one ways that people miss calling is they don't realize how small it actually is. Hmm. And so the the Old and New Testament are filled with faith heroes. So we hear about Paul and Peter and Stephen in the book of Acts, but there were also 3,000 people baptized on the day of Pentecost. And we know from that moment that God awakened souls in mm-hmm. that day and that they started a brand new Christian faith where there would be refining. And we also know that Peter would later write, we're all priests. Um, Paul would later write that we were all God's masterpiece or workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance for us. So each one of those 3,000 people who we'll never hear about had calling written all over their lives that day. And so then we take that to present day. and, And I would say calling is yes in these big defining moments of... Um, a cancer battle, uh, a job or change of career, signing up and enlisting in the Navy or deciding what you're going to do with your life. But these stages of calling also happen on this micro level in small moments and decisions that people make every single day. You know, Mm. uh, where am I going to sign up my kids for lessons and how am I going to shine in that environment? Uh, I want to be more involved in my kid's school and start showing up more so I'm present there. I can guarantee you there's going to be, if you really tune into God and you're the kind of person who's listening to him regularly, 
there's going to be a lot of small journeys where he calls your attention to something, where you are shaped in it and through it and for it, um, where you roll up your sleeves and you do some good work and then other people benefit from it. So um, I would say as we begin, don't underestimate how small calling can be in its nature. That's good. Um, and so this Sunday you talked about the four stages. Can you recap them for us? Yeah, absolutely. Jeremy, back me up if I miss anything. Sure, absolutely. Uh, we've done this together. I'll, hey, let's go one and one, okay? Sure. Let's see, see what you got. Uh, we talked about the awakening stage, and this is where your eyes are open to something new that God is saying, something new he's calling you to do, a place he's calling you to go, or something that new that God wants to do in your life. So stage one is the awakening stage. Stage two would be refining, and I think the best way for me to describe it is like, if awakening is like, hey, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to get, in, I'm going to get in shape. Awakening's like day one at the gym, refining's like day twenty four. Everything is sore, you haven't really changed a whole lot. It's not fun anymore. But but when we talk about refining, we're talking about the idea of like. When you first become aware of what God's doing in your life, he often takes you through a season of life mm. where he is like building your character. He's yeah, reshaping good, your yeah. soul. He's reshaping uh, who you are as a person. And it usually lasts a lot longer than we want it to. Yeah. It's usually like, because it's an indefinite amount of time. But in that season and in that time, God is making us into the kind of person that can live out this calling, this awakening that we've been uh, looking for. That's stage two. Stage three? Stage three is the real work. And I would, if I was drawing these all in a line, I would draw a little arc that connects from awareness to real work. And, and what it usually means, I'll just go straight to my own story. I, I came to understand that God wanted me to be a pastor, you know, seven to ten years ago. It was a window of time. And I had this vision for what pastor would be. And it was like talking to crowds, being well-liked all the time, and living an impressive life. And as God prepared me, humbled me, taught me, walked with me, was gracious with me, and shaped me, I've come to understand, um, first of all, all my original vision for pastor is very self-centered. And secondly, I've come to understand the real work of ministry is not about me, it's about helping people mm. in ways seen and unseen. So the real work stage is usually when all of your preconceived ideas and expectations get stripped away through refining and your eyes become open to the true things that are associated with this calling in your life. Which leads us to stage four, which would be flourishing. Flourishing is that stage where not only are you doing the work, but you're starting <clears throat> to build a legacy. There are people around you that are beginning to awaken and to grow because of the investment that you've made in them. If uh, real work would be like a tree, flourishing would be all of the fruit that it yeah, produces. Uh, all of the apples, all, you know, whatever, something like that. Uh, usually, like, you start to see the people that are a couple stages behind you or a couple steps yeah. behind you, and you're seeing how what you've learned and what God has shown you can be poured into them. You're thinking more about big picture long term, like, what's going to live after me? Or if you're in a job, like, what's going what's gonna to outlast me? What are the things that I need to be doing so that this work is not just limited to me, but that so many other people benefit mm, from it? That's yeah. good. So those, those are the four basic stages. Okay, and so going off of that, is this, like, process, these four stages, is this always how it is? Like, when God's moving in our life, is this always the case? Uh, yes and no. Like, so, for example, I would say that these stages are almost always visible in retrospect. If you okay. look back, you can say, yes, okay, I can mm -hmm. see how these are happening. But the hard <laughs> thing is, is that even though we're kind of pulling them apart and taking them week by week, 
they're not, it's not like, okay, on Tuesday I was in awakening and then on Wednesday I was in refining and then, so they overlap, they mix together. That's good. But I would say for the most part, God does seem to use these over and over and again. Matt, what would you say? If there's a spot where you're going to get a little confused with our structure, it's in the way they overlap. I think overlap's a key word Mm -hmm. because again, there is not just one thing that God has called many of us to be. I'm called to be a great dad, a great husband, a pastor. I have friendships that I'm nurturing. Mm -hmm. I have influence that I'm stewarding outside the walls of the church. And so a lot of times you might be awakening to a new idea while the last thing you were called to is flourishing. Mm -hmm. Um, You might be awakened to something and being refined for it. And you just finished being refined for another thing that was totally unrelated to that. Wow. So there'd be overlap and different ways you'd see this unfold in your life. Okay, cool. And so then would you say that going off of that, like there's different stages, they overlap. Is there a way that you can kind of like almost skip a step or like can you go from being in the awareness stage going straight to real real work and kind of passing that refining phase? You totally can skip the refining stage and every time it happens, it always ends in disaster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think we've all seen this before where the, you'll, you'll see someone who just has an immense talent. Whether like in, in church world, we'll see like someone who's like, they're just a gifted speaker. Or you'll see someone out in the world like, like they're just a, they're an amazing musician, they're an amazing actor, actress. They're just super good at their job, whatever it is. You know, like they're the best accountant in their department or whatever. And because of their skill, they end up getting advanced fairly quickly. Right. But because there was never that period of refining, they don't have the emotional maturity, they don't have the spiritual maturity, they don't have the relational intelligence, and all of a sudden they get put into a spot or a position. That because there was no there was no period of refining, they can't handle the pressure that comes with it. Right. And so when the real work begins, and they're like, oh, and they and they do realize, oh my gosh, all these people are depending on me, or oh my goodness, all this stuff that I'm responsible for now has a real weight to it. Well, they don't have the strength to hold on to that weight because they're what they never had to grow through it. And so a lot of times, they end up self-destructing. They end up, you know, you see like you see pastors who end up having an affair or end up, you know embezzling money or doing something stupid that you would have been like of course they knew better then but they couldn't handle the pressure of the advanced career you see this a lot of times i mean it's it's almost a cliche with like uh young musicians who who uh burn bright and flame out early because they weren't able to handle what worldwide fame would be that young that quick that early or someone who uh starts their own company and just has a, a lot of success and then blows it all up through it like just a bad character decision Mm. so i i do think it is possible in certain circumstances to skip a stage but i would never i would say it's almost always unhealthy to do so right does that make sense that totally makes sense and i think like my question in that would be okay because you already said they kind of overlap they kind of bleed into one another so is it possible that god would awaken you call you to something give you the real work knowing very well that you don't have the character for it yet but use that real work season to refine you because i feel like in my life asking for a friend no like that's like that's me i feel like god has put me in different situations where it's like here is this big beautiful like responsibility and it's heavy and i am not refined but i get refined while i'm in the real work process like is that something god does i would say yes uh i would say that there's and because like once again we're 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 kind of teasing this out and kind of making it linear. And like as right. Matt already said, it's not always linear. There are certain times like God puts you in a situation, and I I do think God knows. Yeah, and you're gonna blow it. Right. But you failing in that season is gonna 
teach you things for the rest of your life absolutely. that you're going to hold on to. Yeah. And so I would say absolutely. Like and and like I said, th- they do overlap for sure. And a refining of one period might be the culmination of something else in another period. Yeah. And different parts of your life do it. So I would say yes, you totally can. I would also say something super unspiritual in this moment, and and I and I've seen this see, this thing unfold in my life so many times. But there's also times when you're just doing something you haven't done before, yeah. and you need to get better at it. Right. And I think you couldn't call that's a form of refining. Like yeah. I think like being thrown into the deep end is an expression for a reason because. I think it's a very common part of the human experience is to get tapped on the shoulder, called up to do this thing. And you're not you're not ready for it yeah. at all. Yeah. But you get refined in the process yeah, of being just in the learn deep the end. Skills like you learn necessary. how to swim. Well and then also yeah. too, like there are a million verses in the Bible that talks about how humility is so important right. in pursuing what God has for you yes, to become a person. Like right. yeah. And one of the best ways for God to humble you is to just put you in a situation where you realize I'm not as great as I think right. I am. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're I'm gonna switch it. Oh wow, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have the skills I need. Yeah. I'm not prepared for this. And that totally deepens my dependency on God then because yes. I'm like, okay God, you're gonna have to rescue me because I clearly can't. Right. That's good. And so since we're all like giving these, you know, examples in scripture and we're talking about okay, hypotheticals, let's talk about what this looks like in our life. Like you guys, what does this look like for you? How have you seen these stages bleed into one another and, and play out in your, your own story? Sure. I'll give you, I'll give you a quick example uh, that's kind of in a compressed time frame so it can kind of help people. I remember, and I think maybe you know if I even talked about this at one point in time, I remember graduating from college with a teaching degree, and I graduated at, like, the top of my class. Wow. I mean, there, maybe there was one or two people ahead of me, I don't know, or something like that, but lots of recommendations from my professors. I should have picked up a teaching job like that. Right. And I remember going to several interviews, and I knew who else was interviewing for these same teaching positions, and I wasn't getting any of them. Wow. I'm like, wait, what is this? This is not like me losing to someone who's, like, way better than I am right. or way more qualified. <laughs> I'm just not getting any of these. And so, like, you know, you graduate in May. School starts in August. Uh, weeks are going by. I'm not getting anything. I'm not getting anything. I'm not getting anything. <clears throat> and this whole time I'm like, okay, God, like, what are you doing? And then it became two days before school started, and I got a call from one of the places I had already interviewed, and like they said, hey, another spot has opened up. We've had a teacher move. Remember how well your interview went the first time? And I'm like, well, if it went so well the first time, why didn't I? You know, right. Would you please come back in and, and interview again? So I go back, and I interview again, and literally the day before school started, I got that job. Wow. And I'm like, well, God, why, why did you spend this whole time doing this? Like, why, why did you make me freak out this whole time? Well, come to find out, if I would have gotten the job the first time, one of the requirements was, like, you were going to also have to teach yearbook in addition to teaching the regular English classes. Yeah. And that would have prevented me from serving at a church that I was serving at currently. Mm. I, it would like, have been, like, there's no way I would have been able to do both. Well, by God making me wait those three months, and honestly, mm. like, my prayer life really increased because I'm like, yeah. I got student <laughs> loans I got to pay off now. Yeah. I've been working for this, you know, for the last four or five years. I don't want to keep working at the fast food restaurant I'm working right. at now that I have this degree and that I thought this was going to be my future. But so my, my prayer life increased. And then also I was able to continue serving at the church that I was in, mm. which ended up leading eventually to me coming on staff at that church. And that would not have been possible if I would have wow. gotten the job wow. in May right. versus, you know, middle of August or For whatever. Sure. So that's like, I mean, that's a super compressed one where you can kind of see the stages of like, right. there was an awakening, there was a refining, 
Uh, there was some real work that got done, and I see how it all played out. Mm. That's that's like a, a small example of one time when this played out in my life. For sure. Mm-hmm. What about you, Matt? I just I so somebody gave me a copy of a sermon from Louis Giglio called "Effective Communication," and he talks about how preaching is the overflow of our character, and he takes it right to this time he had this job where he worked in a doctor's office making photocopies, and and you know doing all of their medical records and it was him and a printer mm. in a closet for six or seven hours a day and so i i go wow i listen to the sermon i go wow that really stinks but i get it he was alone with god and everything and then i flash forward 18 months and i am at lincoln christian university in central illinois and i'm broke and i'm driving back and forth to a ministry that i serve in where i was being trained and taught and serving and again I had all this uh, vision and excitement and all of these ideas about what I thought ministry would be Mm. and then I needed work and I couldn't find work and the only job I could find was washing dishes in the school cafeteria and number one I was still single at the time and you had to wear a hairnet (laughs) <laughs> and I mean, like, when you're a young bachelor, oh, yeah. there's a joke about Bible colleges where it's easy right. to find a wife, but not when you're the hairnet boy. <laughs> <laughs> and the girl you've been looking yeah. at is handing you her dish right. through the little window. Right. And I'll tell you what, though, I didn't even get to be dish through the window boy because they had they had three positions for dishwashers. Right. And this thing was run by this society of grifty little Bible college kids who were all friends with one another. And so they all got in there and gave each other the good jobs. And my job, you're, I can't, I'm not even exaggerating, was, I was guy number three in the back, and it's all cafeteria food, made right. these metal trays, and everything, this is the Midwest, so everything was a casserole, <laughs> and this cheese, I don't like cheese. I don't what? like cheese. Oh, wow. And the cheese from the casserole would burn. I can smell it as I talk to you. <laughs> this is why he doesn't like cheese. Right, this yeah. is it. This is why. It to the sides of the pans. And you would just sit there with a scraper. And I had to get the burnt cheese. I, get, I mean, it's etched into my soul. Now, I listened to Louie's thing, and it was, like, cute. Like, refining was cute. I'm yeah. like, hey, you do your refining, and then you become the leader of right. a 50,000-member <laughs> college movement. And right. so, give me my refining. Because <laughs> oh I thought I had my fingers crossed wow. behind my back. of like, dang God. And it was worse than wow. I could have explained. Wow. But I learned a skill hmm. in that time. Yeah. And the environment and the circumstance was completely miserable. Mm. And I wouldn't have survived it if I did not learn how to press into God in such a way that you can feel okay when everything's miserable. And that is an unreplaceable skill in the life of a leader. Um, Christian leader, educational leader, marketplace leader. And I've leaned on that skill so many times since then. And so I'm just now to that real work. That happened 10 years ago. But that awakening and refining happened and created in my heart a skill that I've leaned on for the last 10 to 12 years as well. Wow. So I would point to that. That's awesome. 
I think when people think about calling and purpose, and you guys just so beautifully like illustrated that in your own lives, um, people are probably wondering, okay, calling and purpose is this like ministry, like holy vocation thing. But then there's this thing called a career and like, you know, I got to make ends meet. I got to pay the bills. And so I'm wondering if people think like those are two separate things. Is there a way that there are separate? Are they more intertwined than we give them credit for? Like what, what is, what is the sure. differences? What are the similarities? Yeah. So they're not the same thing, but they can overlap. Okay. Because, and I think Matt hit this a little bit in his sermon, our calling and our purpose is a lot about who we are becoming, not necessarily the exact job that we oh, have. Oh, that's good, yeah. So if you look at the life of David, uh, David was a shepherd, David was a poet, David was a soldier, David was a king. Mm. His calling and purpose to be a man after God's own heart was the same in each of those things. It played out differently, of course. And so, like, like if we were, if we were to talk to people today, we'd say, hey, like, what are the most important commandments in Scripture according to Jesus? Love God, love mm -hmm. people. Right. How you do that is going to look different from person to person, and you might be able to do that through the way you get paid, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the same thing. Like We call him the Apostle Paul, mm. but in a lot of cases, the way he made his money was he was a tent maker. Right. And so for him, like he wouldn't have said, well, my calling is to make tents. tents. Tent making was a career for him to pay the bills, stuff like that, allow him to travel from place to place. Now, some people do luckily have a career and a calling that are one and the same. Mm. I would also say that in anyone's career, you can live out your calling. Like right. God may not necessarily call you to be, uh -huh. um, I don't know, the world's best dishwasher. I mean, could be. <laughs> Maybe. But in washing dishes, you're probably going to build relationships with some of the people there That's at good. the same place. Yeah. You're going to have opportunities to love, care, and serve others, and you can do that. So it, when, I think the mistake most people think is they think my job is my calling versus my job is a vehicle for living out my calling. Okay, um, that's good. Because our calling is almost always more about people than it is a task or something Jeez. like that. Does that make sense? No, that totally makes okay. sense. Yeah, what would you say, Matt? I 100% agree uh, with what Jeremy's saying. So I, I've told people, and I, I hope this comes out properly, I tell people that I had I started in paid ministry work in 2007 as an intern. <clears throat> I feel like I've done the same thing my entire ministry career. Mm. I was an intern, and now I am the lead pastor of a church. And God has shaped in me things that come to bear in any position I fulfill. Right. I, I inspire. I tell stories. I develop leaders. I get preoccupied with where we're going and who we're becoming. That's, that's what I do. And so I, to Jeremy's point, like I do feel like it's inside out. Now, if you pressed us and you said, "What you? I, I'm a dentist and I dreamed about being a dentist when I'm a kid. You saying dentist isn't my calling. I'd say, no, it probably is. You know, I'd say, I'd say that what you're doing out there and, and, and being a dentist and creating a dental office that treats people with dignity right, and right. respect and love and caring well for your staff and doing what you do with excellence could very much so become a fulfillment of your calling. I've seen this play out too in my uh, my wife's life. My wife Kim is a uh, is a nurse, and I've, we've had conversations <clears throat> about this where she very much feels that part of her calling is to go and be a comfort. Well, part of the nursing that she does is she does hospice nursing. Right. And so, like, her going in and being a calming presence for families going through a really tough season and having to make tough choices and her being able there and be like, I'm calm, 
I'm loving. I'm here to answer your questions. It's okay to be upset. She's like, I get to live out good purposes in my life, and I get to show these families love through the vehicle of nursing. Right. And so, like, you could also have somebody else that has no calling and have the same job, and it wouldn't be the same. It's her oh, It's her seeing okay. her job as a way okay. to show the love of God to others. That's what makes, that makes the difference. That's cool. So what would you say to somebody, because I'm thinking... I'm thinking about, like, the average, like, 18 to, like, 24-year-old, okay? I'm, okay. I'm including myself in this category. It's like, how can you, what would you say to somebody who's, like, this budding musician, maybe, or um, they want to do something, like, really big with their life, but they're working at, like, you know, Chick-fil-A first season, or they're yeah. working at, like, McDonald's. I worked at Dairy you, Queen. You the Dairy yeah. Queen, yeah. you have the dishwashing job, yeah. you know, I've had those jobs, too, and it's like, Okay, how, what would you tell to that, that kid, that person that's like, okay, I get what you're saying. I know you're saying, like, I can use my calling, you know, in this job that I have, but I still want to do this, like, really big thing with my life. What would be your encouragement to that young person? Like, how would you tell them, you know, to keep going and keep, you know, hustling? Well, I would say become the kind of person God can take to that level. That's good. Yeah. And, you know, so much fairy tale theology has gotten mixed into the church that we think it's supposed to be Jesus and then I live happily ever mm. after. And God took Jesus into a season of refining and I think he loves us enough to do the same thing. Right. And if we're talking about 19 to 24 year olds, the place they get lost the most is in this refining season. For sure. Number one, we take refining and small things like we've missed something and usually those small things are exactly where we've been placed because God's looking for people who will be faithful with the small wow. things. Yeah. And so number one and two problems that you get when you get a 20-something in the refining season is A, they go, this is beneath me, so they leave. Right. And you wanted to be big, but God put you in a place where you could become big, but you left the very thing that he had given you to make right. you what you want to be. Right. That's a problem. That's a problem, yeah. Two, you try and become big too soon. Mm-hmm. And we've had, I'm talking personally to you, Han, we've had the conversation before right. about, yeah, this person's Instagram presence is massive. Right. I'm not sure they even know the Lord, though. Mm. And so you're giving advice, but what you're really doing is thumbing through a bunch of Instagrams and taking the best collection of self-help advice with a little bit of spirituality mixed right. on top. You're re regurgitating that on your account and yeah you got the right filter right. and you got the clothes and you look exactly like those people but you haven't suffered like some of those people right and you haven't worked like some of those people right and you haven't put in the laps with jesus right like some of those people jeremy and i've been talking about this book by tozer called the root of righteousness and this dude said it i don't know when he was writing this book i don't remember the year or the season but he said everybody wants the fruit but we miss the root hmm and in his time, he goes, everybody's pointing to Martin Luther and um, Spurgeon and the contribution of Wesley. And everybody's trying to repeat these, these ministry things by taking these little tactics and styles right. and things from on top that they saw from the surface. But Tozer points out the reason these guys grew such big trees and bared so much fruit is they had the right kind wow. of root. They went down deep. Yeah, yeah, so then you were talking about our 19-year-old friend who works at Chick-fil-A and is going, oh my gosh, why am I here? Right. I want to be there. Right. Well, there's two outlets you could have. You could say, oh my gosh, I'm better than this and leave. Mm. Or you could look at what's in your hand and show yourself faithful to the Lord. And yeah. say, He's given me an opportunity to develop a root structure 
Right. But I'm going to need to go where it is I like to go. Yeah. And, and you could just say, I'm going to sit right here, and I'm going to trust that when God needs me there, he'll open the next yeah. door or he'll tap me on the shoulder. That's right. Yeah. I think the other thing we often get confused with is we're like, hey, I want, I know God wants to do something big in me, and we confuse that for thinking that must mean I'm going to become famous. Right. Like, so right. you oh, could, yeah. let, let me give you like an example that won't make anyone at all happy. Right. Like, what if God wants to use your musical talent to inspire a bunch of fourth graders to wow. fall in love with worship music? Yeah. And 20 years later, one of them becomes someone who just like leads thousands and thousands of people through awesome worship. And you're like, yeah. God, you were said you're going to do something big through me. And God's like, yeah, I did do something big through you. Right. Like, I think about like, think about the promise God made to Abram. I'm going to make you a great nation, and through you, the all peoples will be blessed. Wow. And Abraham had one son. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, where's all the people, God? You know, like, no, God yes. totally fulfilled yeah. his promise to Abram. Right. You are going to be, and think about this. When Abraham died, he was not famous. Right. He's only famous now through tons and tons of history, through what yeah. we've been able to see like that. So when God says, I want to do something big through you, he's not lying to you. Yes. But we we tend to, because we live in America, we live in Western culture, we tend to think big always means either rich or it means famous yes, or it means large platform yeah. or something like that. Like right. <clears throat> big might simply mean you are the person in your neighborhood that's the, you're the only person that's loving those neighbors. Wow. And if it weren't, wasn't, if it wasn't for your presence in there, the 20 people around you would all be leading much worth lives. Right. That's a big deal. Like that is making, sure. that's changing generations, yeah. but it doesn't give us a huge platform. So we think, Oh God must not have been telling us the truth. So I would always tell people don't confuse big with famous. If mm -hmm. that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense. And I think like, I'm, I'm again, I'm going back to this 19 to 24 yeah. year old bracket. Cause I know like, Oh man, I can say, and I say this with respect, but there's just so much like rhetoric that comes out from the pulpit that's like, oh, you have this big calling and this big destiny. And you hear it, like, all, and you're talking about this Instagram thing, and you're going through Instagram, and this is the rhetoric yeah. and the narrative that we're, like, my generation, this is what we're being preached. Like, I've been, I've heard this since I was, like, 12. And so I think what, why you're saying, you know, most 19, 24-year-olds, we jump out of this refining thing, we back out, is because our whole life we've been taught you're going to go to this thing, your platform's going to expand, you're going to reach millions of people, and you're saying, yeah, that might happen, but the vehicle in which that happens, the way in which that, you know, unfolds is not necessarily more money, more Instagram followers, more success, more people listening to your albums, more people knowing your name. It really can just be you being faithful to what God's given you. And that is a big calling, but it's not necessarily you becoming more of a known person. Absolutely. And I think that that's where we get confused. Absolutely. And that's not new, honestly. Yeah. That was that when my youth ministry days, you know, I started youth ministry. 2004 and it was right on the back end of the 90s you you the 90s said throw a big event baptize the quarterback and the hottest cheerleader <laughs> and you'll win the school of the cross right right and number one that stopped working wow. probably around the year 2000 wow. and number two there was all this residual of the big the word big and i think if i could have three wishes one of them would be the the, the church stops using the word big for a while come on and yeah. exchanges it for significant Wow, that's good. Um, because big is really okay. Big. Explain that. Explain that. Yeah, the difference between big and significant. Like why? Why the change? What's big the difference? Big is misleading because of what Jeremy said. Hmm. Um, well, we've both, like back in my youth ministry days and back in Matt's youth ministry days, 
we've both, and we, and we you ask a hundred other youth pastors at the time, thrown events that cost a lot of money, that had a lot of hype, that saw a lot of people attend, and that led to no life change. Hmm. And so you're like, okay, this was cool, this was fun, I enjoyed it, but at the end of the day, what was the real purpose of this? Right. Like, if no one's life changed, why did we spend countless hours, all these dollars, all this stuff, to do something that is big, but, not but honestly, in the, in, it's not significant because no one's headed in a different direction. Yeah, right. and and big is big is weird because the Lord causes the rain to fall on the righteous and unrighteous, and that means out, some things can get big because somebody was in the right place at the right time, mm. and then you talk with them and you have a coffee with them or a meal together, and you're like, "Have you been with God?" Yeah. But your thing got big because you were the only church in that town. Right, right. And, or the other church in that town was dying off and had a guy who had one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel. And then you right. came in and you've got like a nice guitar and an electric guitar right. and a, a fog machine. And everyone's like, well, it's better than the other church. Right. And so then your church got big. But how many people did you baptize? Mm. Well, these three. Oh, yeah. Tell me about them. Well, one of them, these parents really wanted their five-year-old to get baptized. So we did that. And then this, this other person uh, had accepted Jesus in his heart at that old man's church, but thought it'd be a little more fun to get baptized at this. You see, big is deceptive. Right. And the other thing that we, we often, like like we've talked about before, is you don't know how something got big. Our, our mm. tendency is always just to say, well, it must have been God. God's favor's upon it, and that's why it did. And then you come to find out, oh, they had somebody bankrolling the whole thing. Right. They weren't any more faithful than, yeah, like, Joe true. and Tom were both, equally following Jesus, Joe had someone that was paying for everything. Tom didn't. It doesn't mean Tom was being less faithful yeah. or anything like that. And when we start to get caught up in the size of something or we start to get caught up in um, the, the the fame or the platform, right. we start to think that God needs us versus recognizing, no, God, God doesn't need our platform. He doesn't need our abilities. He's giving us meaning and purpose and, and grace through That's all this. Yeah. And so, once again, you... God doesn't need big. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we tend to think that, but right. God doesn't. That's but if good. we could just make your prayer each morning, like, God, lead me into a life that is truly significant. significant. That's good. I think that would change things. Yeah. And it would remind more people. Because how many times have you been in a youth group or a gathering or a 20-something gathering? Right. And they brought the pretty girl on the stage to talk about you know, her testimony, mm-hmm. and then she started the non-for-profit with the nice aesthetic on the Instagram account. And then there's a the girl in the back who doesn't feel pretty mm. and as blessed and didn't have as much handed to her as this girl. And uh, and I'm not against any of these scenarios. Right. Big yeah. isn't bad. Right. This pretty girl on her Instagram account aren't bad. But, like, I never want that person in the room to disqualify themselves wow, because they're so looking good. at big and that's saying, so I can't be big. But it, we can all be significant. significant. That's, That's great. That is, there are moments we can lay hold of significance every single yeah. day That's and good. get in that game. And Hannah, you've been saying, okay, let me take the viewpoint of the 18 right. to 24 right. year old. Let me take the viewpoint of the uh, 30 to 50 year old. Yeah. We know that probably, and I think I've said this before, 80% of the problems in the world would go away. If we could have one generation of men that loved their kids yeah, well, yeah, that's good. you know, now there's nothing big about like there's nothing famous about being a great dad. Mm. But if you want to talk about significance and lasting impact, if we just upped the number of great dads, that's so good. 
we would change things like like Amen. within twenty years the whole world would look completely yeah. different. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Um, so okay, you said something about the rain falling on the righteous and the unrighteous, which kind of leads to my next question. Okay, so someone might be hearing all of this and wondering, okay, that's great, but this dude in my math class, he doesn't even believe in Jesus at all, but this guy's got, like, everything going for him. I feel like he's, like, doing great with his life, and, like, he knows what he wants. Like, he's, you know, passionate, driven, whatever. So people might be thinking, like, why do I need God to understand, like, what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, don't people without God feel like they have purpose and calling in their life as well? So... I would absolutely say yeah. Th- this is one thing we have to be con- we have to uh, differentiate between: is there something that you're naturally skilled at, and the calling and purpose on your life? Right. Like there's some people who are genetically gifted to do math, and they're going to go on and they're going to be like great computer programmers. They're going to do you know they're going to mm-hmm. build stuff like that, and that's not the same as a calling or purpose because we have to always go back to a calling and purpose is not just about us. Right. Our calling and purpose is always for the benefit of us and others. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, you someone without God can be magnificently skilled in some sort of way, uh, something like that, and it's not a calling. Right. Calling is how does God want to use you and your circumstances to be a blessing to the rest of the yeah, world? That's Matt, what would you say on that? Let's, let's try and find our way to the end of this thing in just a second to respect people's time. Um, but I would go, I just go back to my girl, Christine Kane, who says, if what you see is all you see, you'll never see all there is to see. Mm -hmm. And if what you see in front of you is do good in math class, get a STEM job, work it, work it, work it, have a salary, then the house, then the thing, you can be successful, but never actually taste salvation. Mm -hmm. You can, you can become safe and okay but chances are you'll know in the bottom of your being that your soul is missing yeah something. that's good and and so the kid in math class may do very very well and also squander the opportunity of his one and only god-given life to do something to use our world significant yeah and so i think i would tell my friends who are searching or far from god Keep being the best you can be at whatever it is you're after, but also open your eyes and open your heart and open your ears and listen because everything you think you're after could become so much more That's if good. you were able to walk with God into mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. That's good. I like that. You know what? I think this is a good place to stop it, put a period at the end of the sentence, and wrap it up. Uh, we'll be back for the next couple of weeks of mm-hmm. God's Movement My Life, just kind of diving into each of these stages a little bit more talking a little bit more about what does this look like in real life. So for all of our faithful listeners, Woo! make sure to share, make sure to post. Smash sure that to, like button. <laughs> Subscribe below. <laughs> Comment. Bye-bye. All right. Take it easy. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, and download the Momentum app from your app store. See you next week.